Oh my gosh. We we could totally compare battle wounds of like, no one in my day, I got this on my back and my scars here. That's a real yeah. scar from work, you know? There you go. <laughs> no, but yeah, when I think about like the easy years, um, and I, you know, you and I, when we talk about, you know, our history background, it's almost like you can almost see if you study history, there are, there are easier years than mm-hmm. others. There are. there are. Oh my gosh. When I think about that, it just makes me wonder, I'm like, am I living in an easier time? Quite frankly, compared to like the middle ages, heck yeah, I am. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. But, <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm of the age where I can say I've had good years and bad years at this point, as opposed to good days and bad days. So. Right. Oh, wait, you know, oh man, let's not talk about aging, my friend, because I am like, I think I'm coming to terms with this whole aging process. And it's not the vanity sake of aging. It's more the realization of like, wait a minute, I used to be cool. Like what happened? Like I went to bed at 9 p.m. the other night. It's like, what happened? What happened? How did this happen? I don't know. I know, right? So speaking of not knowing, do you know if you're ready for the mic is listening, Robert? Absolutely, yes. All right, my friend. Well, let's do this. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Mic is Listening. I'm Sia, and today is going to be another fun conversation because I say so, and darn it, everyone that comes on board is just so awesome and uh, makes my life a heck of a lot easier. So normally I'm going to do my little rant thing, but today I was just so excited to have this particular individual join us um, because we have a lot to talk about that I'm going to skip my personal rant moment because I really want to introduce a wonderful kick booty guest of ours. His name is Robert Toll. Robert, welcome to the Mike is Listening. Thank you, Sia. Really glad to be here. Well, I am so glad you are here because I think I uh, basically threw this at you and said you're joining and zero prep and we'll just surprise you with everything that happens. That sounds like a deal to me. (laughs) You know, what's so funny is uh, so I do LinkedIn Google searches every now and then of our guests and um let's say I, I did Google you and I had a hard time finding anything like salacious about you, Robert. It's almost like you've lived a very legit professional life. Like how does one do that? How does one accomplish that? Well, you keep all the non-legit things secret is the, is the key. You have to stay off the grid once in a while. So by, uh, I have a fairly legit life, but I've had lots of adventures. I have a guy that uh, works for me, that said it's almost unbelievable the things when I tell him a story about something that I've gone through that um, he's just like, you just are making this up or it's like, no, this really happened. And I've had lots of adventures through the years. See us. So. Okay. I know that. And we're going to get into that. And I, and it's going to, I mean, the more I've learned about you, Robert, the more I realize like it's people like you that I probably should worry the most. You are chill. You've got this wonderful bookcase behind you of books that I'm sure you've actually read, as opposed to me where I have a bookcase of, I probably haven't touched half those books. And yet I can tell there's a sparkle in your eye because you're wearing the Hawaiian shirt. And then you've got this like smirky smile that you've got that is, is, is telling me there's a lot to learn about you. So do you mind if I kind of like jump into some like random things a little bit? 
I would be happy to. Sounds okay. Great. So I like to talk about um, <clears throat> you as a person, right? So that my whole purpose in life is to make sure that, you know, I highlight you in the best light, but I want to apologize in advance if this was not the best choice of the title for you, but you gave me this. Um, I asked you what your favorite kind of genre music and song was, and you gave me Eric church, bad mother trucker. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. So let's see if this is like, you know, PG friendly lyrics. So I Googled it and looked it up and I loved one of the lines. She's the reason I rock the reason I roll. And I was like, that's it. That's a perfect title. Because I think with your book that we're going to be talking about, um, don't be stupid or don't be dumb. Sorry. Don't be dumb. I feel like that has a lot. It resonates with you. So tell me why bad mother trucker resonates with you. Well, I just think it's, it's, a modern day outlaw music. Uh, you know, I was raised listening to Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and so forth. And even, even one of my dogs is named Waylon as a result of that. And uh, Eric church has sort of his own way of being an outlaw and blending country music with rock and roll with blues and just basically doing whatever he wants to do and be, but yet still being successful at it. And I think that resonates because I've sort of followed my own path on things too. And um, I think it probably just um, makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So this is how I know you're not BSing because you started out with so many different careers. You know what you remind me of? Like, um, so I'm a Gen Xer and there's this vibe that like Gen Xers like don't know what they want to do in life and they meander kind of similar to how every generation gets made fun of, right? The millennials got their moment in time. Now Gen Z is getting, you know, the brunt of it. But I mean, you started off as a dishwasher, you did catering, you did apartment managing. I mean, you did some, and then all of a sudden you're the COO at HP. So can you humor me a little bit on this? Because how does one go from very humble starting your career and jobs that you took, I'm assuming in your youth, to get to, um, you know, position of prominence at a Fortune 100 company, was it fire in the belly? Was it someone whipped you into shape to find a mentor? How would you um, describe that? I think more than anything, fire in the belly. I mean, I was raised with my grandfather having a shoe store and helped him out when I was young and mowing yards and shoveling snow and selling greeting cards door to door or whatever it took or working at a bike shop for under minimum wage and but I wanted to prove myself and move forward. So, you know, had went to school, uh, finished it in three years with undergraduate, uh, emerged with a history degree, but no clue what I wanted to do and uh, managed the apartment complex during those, the final couple years of time while I was in school. So I worked full time and then found the opportunity with a franchise and worked my way up through a management development program that was supposed to last 18 months and lasted two because I was tasked with taking on a uh, location that was in trouble and turning it around. So there I was barely 22 years old, taking on and managing a location in downtown Austin. Oh, wow. And so a lot of just you learn by doing. And then um, quite frankly, I, I worked for a few years doing a variety of roles and then was asked to be, the director of finance in an emergency situation at this franchise and had had zero finance training. So I accepted the job thinking there'd be some transformation, you know, some time to transition. And they said, here's your office. You start tomorrow. Okay. So I, I went to the library. I checked out some books on finance on the way home, read them that night and started the new job the next day. 
Okay, right there. Stop, collaborate, and listen. First off, I think there's a couple unique situations here that is just not normal today. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong. But A, how did you find someone that would give you a job of which you're completely woefully underqualified for? And B, what was it like going to a library? I don't think the people today, I mean, other than us, know what that means. Good points, both, Sia. Um, <laughs> the, the situation, the franchise had gone through a lot of troubling times. And a guy that was a good friend of mine uh, uh, named Bruce had had enough and was walking out the door. And this position was responsible for getting the franchisees financed. So if they weren't financed, you couldn't open. And therefore, there was no revenue for the franchise company. And on his way out the door, he basically said, if you're looking for somebody more naturally qualified for this than I have ever seen, think about giving it to Robert. Basically on his way out the door. And they were incredibly desperate because it was cutting off their funding, quite frankly. I mean, it was, was I capable? Yes. I like to think I was, but they also were very, very desperate because they couldn't cut off the income stream to the company. So they needed somebody to fill that. They couldn't wait and take two months to hire somebody. They needed somebody right then. Wow. Wow. I mean, literally if this, that situation didn't happen, where do you think you'd be today? You know, I don't know. At the time, I was writing operations manuals for the franchise and doing communications work. So I have no clue. It was a temporary job that got me off the road from traveling. And I don't know what I would have ended up doing. Don't have a clue. It's yeah. funny to ask that. That's funny. I mean, it, it it just strikes me that it's like that was like one of those pivots in the road, right? If you could like yeah, visualize, if you notice. I went with the road theme for you, by the way, the trucker theme. I like it. I like it. And it was just a really pretty picture. But isn't that crazy though? Like that was literally a, 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 uh, oh my gosh, Mike, a split, a fork in the road for you. It was. Huh? Let's let's contemplate this because uh, you and I spoke earlier about genealogy, of which you did old school style. I do it online style. Um, So. Again, I'm not worthy. That was pretty amazing that you've been able to do that. By the way, American, hardcore American. How long ago, Robert? Uh, first ancestors, 1630s nice. in the country. So, so before crazy. it was a country. So they got off right before the boat sank. So that was good. They didn't plan on getting off where they did, but they happened to get off the boat and then it sank right after they got off on the way south from uh, the northeast. That's crazy. That is that is freaking crazy to me. Um, so, because I did my boyfriend's genealogy. I got his dad's side of sixteen fifty, um, to my mother in law's dismay, if you will, because she always thought she was more of the uh, American than him. And it turns out she's there. He was she's waiting potato on, famine, waiting, waiting <laughs> on the shore for them to arrive eventually. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, oh my god, did you know that you could qualify for like you know the, the well, not daughters of the revolution, but you know. There is a Sons of the Revolution. Is there a so Sons? Of, I figure as yes, much, but just not as well known. Yeah, well, I mean, you would think it'd be more well known just because it's like easier to track. I think men, you know, paternity line. It is easier. It is easier in some ways. Yes, it is easier. No, sometimes because on birth certificates, if you look, I mean, you have to have a mother to a child, so sometimes it's easier in that respect. And then obviously parentage sometimes that dad isn't the dad which i found out in another line i was like ooh, yeah. dramas well i found i found one person that is supposedly dead that was still alive when doing genealogy so that was quite a shocker 
I had to pull off to the side of the road on that call. So, Oh, if you want to talk about, I'm totally digressing, but I have to say this. So talk about like pulling on the side of the road. So I'm like doing my boyfriend's genealogy because you know, he's, he's, uh, Irish and English, right? So it's a lot easier than an Asian, uh, genealogy, just throwing it out there, not saying anything racial, just, it's the fact. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> I was almost gonna say, and I can say it cause I'm Asian, but anyway, um, here's the, here's the thing was I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking at his genealogy and it turns out his great grandfather on his dad's side is from Finland. And okay. so when he came over in 1900 or whatever, um, 1901 or something, uh, or 18, oh gosh, now the numbers are blurring me, but, um, there is no Burke in Finland. So they had to do, they did something with the name. Uh And so of course I tell my boyfriend, I'm like, Hey dude, do you know your name's not really Burke? You're not a Burke. And he's like, what? And then, um, so we were talking about that and I was telling my mom in the car one day, just randomly going, Hey, by the way, did you know that, you know, Sean's, oops, sorry. I'm not supposed to say his name. The boyfriend, erase that live stream, erase that. Um, I just said, uh, mom, you know, the partner, um, his last name isn't what it is. And my mom casually, I'm, t- mind you, I'm driving, right? And we're like in traffic. My mom doesn't even look at me. She's just looking straight ahead and she just goes, oh yeah, your last name is not Yasso Tornrat. And I'm like, what? And it turns out, um, she goes, yeah, that, that name's like made up. And I'm like, wait a minute. I grew up being told that I'm the, the, the name is derived from a town out in Thailand, Northeast side, you know, town of Yasso Torn. That makes but, sense. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, you're named that for a reason because that's where you, you guys were like, that's where they settled. But she goes, yeah, no, your real last name is Lim. And I'm just like, Wait, what? I mean, wow. I knew, I knew my dad's side had like some Chinese, but we've always identified as Thai. Right. And, uh, and then, and Lim, I mean, don't, I'm not knocking the last name of Lim. Don't get me wrong. But. You know, when you get something cool and exotic like Yasso Tornrat, and then you're like a common last name, I was like, what? No, no, I'm a Yasso Tornrat. Yeah, but there anyway, you go. Well, I I've, got lots, I've got lots of Wilson and Jones and things like that, and those are the boring names, and they're also much harder to trace than um, than other ones like Toll or other ones that have had to change their names to being kicked out of countries and to hide, so... Oh, see, those, those are the fun stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, my absolutely. gosh. There's so much. If I can encourage anybody, we all come from somewhere. We all, by the way, we all have stories to tell. Bring it back yes. to my business, Innovation Media Enterprises, podcast producers. Everyone has a story to tell. And we've all laughed, cried, had emotion, right? And so, Robert, the fact that you're telling me that, you know, you've had fugitives in your family, that's A, we got to talk some more. And B, I do want to hear about a lot of the things because – You've had life and death situations. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I mean, what's it like finding you have a tumor in your head? Like, what does that mean? You know, it's interesting because it's worse in hindsight than it was at the time, Sia. Because at the time it was, I woke up from having a seizure with a police officer at my bed. Because my wife knew how to treat it, but called 911. And then it was, don't know what happened, because it's easier on me than anybody else, because I don't have any idea what happened, because I had a seizure. Uh, My wife, on the other hand, had to see me have the seizure. So went to the hospital within about an hour and a half. They said, we can't treat you here because you've got a tumor in your head. You need to go someplace else. And here's their choices. And I had quickly made a choice of which hospital to go to. And off in the ambulance I went, 
and they said this thing has to go. Now, basically, they said here, you know, it's the size of a small apple. It's probably been growing there for for twenty to thirty years. It's in your frontal lobe, and here's all the bad things that could happen if we remove it. And I said, but if we don't remove it, they were like, it's over. And I'm like, well, get on with it. Let's get get rid of it then. Well, I love and the chances. All- Zero or zero, what, which one you want right. to go? <laughs> and I just went yeah. with, like, let's get it out then. Let's just wow. take care of it. And uh, it went very well. The The neurosurgeon was at the height of his game. He canceled the trip to uh, visit his first granddaughter uh, to do the surgery. And they basically took me apart and put me back together with, like, titanium screws and plates and things like that. And um, And I walked out of the hospital, like, six days later. Uh, within was, you know, went home, was playing guitar within, you know, an hour, no problems, no side effects. The only side effect is I lost the sense of smell, but I can see better, taste better, hear better. I'm ambidextrous now. Uh, unbelievable abilities that came out of it because I'd been functioning for so long with it in there. My body had found a way to cope and then it went away and it was like, Oh, supercharged. All Ooh. sorts of great things happened. And I was traveling for work and working in California within a month of the surgery, uh, working full time. Uh, fantastic results. Couldn't have asked for better. Oh my gosh! Congratulations, and I'm so glad for you. And holy smokes, is that are the metal stuff still in you? Are you like mm. are you half robot now? I'm ha- I am bionic. Yes, if I throw to the 1970s six million dollar man days of, yeah, I didn't know it. I didn't even ask at the time, and I went in and. I have to have an MRI every few, every six to nine months. Now it's down to once every 12 months. And they said, well, is there any metal in your body is one of the questions, you know, the last time last year. And I was about to answer with some sort of smart, smart aleck Gen X type of way. And they said, well, other than what we put in you. And I went, what? Excuse me? <laughs> and then they pull out the paperwork and they show where they put me back. together. I didn't even ask the question. It was like the tumor had to go. I didn't ask how they were going to solve it. Oh, my gosh. Could they? Could they replace it with like, uh, you know, three print job stuff now? And so you don't have metal in you or is it have to be metal now? Is it infused with your skull? It, it's pretty much infused at this point. It's, it's only a few like places, but they took me apart from like, basically from ear to ear across the top. Just peel that skin off. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You are the Terminator. <gasps> so I guess so. I don't know, but they, they stitched me up pretty good. I actually, and somehow now this is a very expensive hair loss treatment. <laughs> but somehow my hair actually grew in better after the surgery. Oh. I mean, it's still not, believe me, I don't have the hair that I used to have uh, in the 1980s, um, Rick Springfield hair or something like that. I don't have oh. that. But but it actually grew in more full after the surgery than uh, before, which is what very te- odd. What a testament of the human body. And and, and kudos to your, your doctors and nurses that took care of you. I mean, holy smokes, medicine can be like magic. It is. And well, and technically, I mean, all the docs and everybody have said you shouldn't have been functioning with the tumor like that. There's no no chance you were functioning. But yet I was. Mm-hmm. And the only theory we've come up with is that playing piano, which my mom was a music teacher, and I started taking piano with like six years old from her and played, you know, you know, daily lessons type of thing for eight for until I was 18. Is that that because of the complications of the instrument? rewires some of your frontal lobe to handle the complexity of all the keys and the pedals and all that with both hands going. 
So maybe that that's the only theory we've got of why I was even able to function. Mm-mm-mm. Well, if I had had children, I would have like made them play an instrument. I don't care what instrument. Well, maybe not drums. Maybe we'd throw them in the garage somewhere if they're doing drums. But that being said, there is something the there is. I, I've seen studies. I've not mm-hmm. read them thoroughly. I've just seen titles of them. But you know about the connection between music and math and uh, multitasking and all that stuff. So kudos for everyone that is a musician. I I I have a guitar or two sitting over there. Have I played it recently? No, but uh, I've always enjoyed playing it occasionally when. I don't know when the mood suits me. So let's talk about mood suiting you on things because um, I get in bad moods at work. Okay. Not this work. This work is fun. Just a heads up. Anyone that ever wants to leave corporate America, I encourage you do it, do it. Um, But that being said, when I was in corporate America, I was in sales and I just worked with some people less than stellar and it just frustrated me at times. And didn't have a really good, healthy way of dealing it with it. So talk to me in your book and we're going to talk about your actually, no, screw it. Let's do it now. God, we just got, we'll just do it now, my friend. Um, so I, I really want to ask you about this. So the book you wrote is called don't be dumb, which by the way is hilarious because I try not to use the word dumb in general. Cause I don't want people thinking I'm being condescending towards them. Right. Right. And I also am learning recently about my own self conversation of like, don't speak down to yourself either. Right. But I do find myself very frustrated on like, how do I make life easier back in my corporate life? So there's tons of my friends are still in corporate and all that to, to just not deal with like, you know, for lack of a better term, crap. Mm -hmm. In your book, you talk about a checklist. What the heck does that mean? Like, how does one do a checklist to avoid this type of behavior and get frustrated like I did? Well, I mean, first of all, frustration is okay if you do something with it that's productive. So I don't think we should chastise ourselves for being frustrated. That's an inspiration to do something better or do something differently, number one. From a checklist, we have actually had complete failure the first time I tried it, great success the second time of something called Eliminate Stupid which stands for slow, tedious, unproductive, inefficient, and duplicative, and actually worked with a team to identify things that fit those criteria, not people, made it very clear it wasn't people, gave rewards to people for turning in their ideas to us, and found unbelievable inefficiencies and things that were frustrating individuals on the team that had they'd never said a word to any of the leaders of the team. Never said a word, just day-to-day, frustrated and and irritated by their jobs. And we started actively pursuing, making these things go away, charting them on a wall, blocking them out with a red, you know, we killed this, you know, made this stupid thing go away, celebrating it during team meetings, and it worked really, really well. Wow. Where were you when I was at HP? (laughs) I, I think I ran screaming out of the building before before you got there, uh, Sia. So, yeah, um, no, I mean, look, I mean, I understand that there are some tasks that need to happen, that need to be done, and they're not fun, but they need to be done. I get that. But there were days when, as a sales professional, I was like, "Holy crap! If I have to spend one more hour in the CRM system because of some BS metric, because management needs to have a nice, pretty pie chart, they don't give a rat's butt about the details." 
Mm -hmm. Right. They just want it for their executive management to see a pie chart. That just frustrated me because I'm like, holy crap, you're I mean, it's like you're overpaying me to be a data entry monkey, for lack of a better term. Well, and that's I was uh, talking with another individual that does consulting and he's defines one quadrant of work as drudgery. And his theory is just and it, it actually resonated with me because I've done the same thing of just stop. It's not even something you should delegate. If it's drudgery, just don't. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Test, you know, test just stopping and seeing if anybody cares. That's different than menial tasks that maybe you should delegate and somebody else should be doing. But just some of this stuff you could just make go away. And that was a lot of things we found with the whole Eliminate Stupid program was make the stuff go away and suddenly you've got more capacity. And it was actually, quite frankly, it was at HP. And we were able to survive many, many layoffs. Because in our group, we were always able to take on more work. So mm. nobody wanted to touch what we were doing. They actually said, can we? Can you take on this other work and do more things? And we said, yes, because we had capacity by making other things go away. Mm. I mean, right there, it sounds like to me, with your experiences, your personal experiences, don't be dumb has just been, it's almost like, I don't want to call it a memoir, but is, is it? does it have that vibe? And it, feel it does like- have that vibe. It's a little little different Sia because it's the the phrase itself came from advice my dad gave me when I was like 13 which (laughs) made my mom very irritated because she wanted advice like something like leave it to beaver type of you know wise sage advice and he looked up over his cup of coffee and said yeah don't be dumb and and infuriated her but actually it's pretty good advice if you look at yourself and go is what I'm doing make sense is it good work it's very helpful and uh, but it is a weaving together of family history, my experiences, experiences in the workplace, and uh, with some action items and checklists and ways to improve yourself and in, in your sort of a playbook, so to speak. Oh, I love it! You know, by the way, you just reminded you just reminded me of another TV show. The advice of being "Don't be dumb" would have probably come from Married with Children. That you know, I may have watched that show a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like something that may have come from there. It absolutely yeah, does. I know. I know. I'm horrible. So everyone needs to get, uh, don't be dumb. Don't worry. I'll do another reminder of that. So, I mean, gosh, Robert, I could like keep talking to you about this, but I do have to ask you one quick question and it was in the book, but I just have to ask. Okay. Okay. How does one step into a role? Um, because your boss gets arrested and was pulled off the plane. Can you give me a little juicy gossip on what your boss did? Not so much what you, what your job was. Cause you, it's in the book, but real quick on what your boss did, just cause I love drama. The, the juicy gossip and I'll leave names out. Cause I think that's more appropriate to leave the names out was, uh, you know, I felt like I owed a lot to him. He brought me into the, into the firm, uh, enjoyed working with him, uh, won the assignment. And apparently according to, I guess now convictions that occurred, but at the time was, um, uh, there wasn't a conviction. He had, uh, taken embezzled money from his child's sports team (sighs) and, uh, was coming from overseas and was basically snatched off the airplane, uh, swearing that he didn't do it, but later found, that he, he uh, well, at least, well, whether he did or didn't, he was convicted of doing so over time. So uh, I found myself surprisingly being in charge of the whole project. Oh my! Um, at a moment's notice, with a phone call. So, 
oh, damn it. It's like kids money. Ah. Like if you're going to embezzle, man, go big. Like if you're going to do it, just go big. Like I feel like well, it was, it was a tangled up mess. See, uh, it really was. And we all had to sort of hold our breaths at the firm for like two years because supposedly, and I have to say, allegedly, supposedly, I don't know. He used the funds for business travel with our firm that then he would be reimbursed for the business travel. So at any point during the, the court case and all the other things that happened, we could have been drugged right through it. Wow. So we basically held our breaths for a couple of years until everything was settled and we emerged unscathed, thankfully. But I just got chills. Like, well, you guys dodged a bullet there. I just got oh, yeah. chills for you guys. Oh my God. That was weird. Oh, that's, oh, that's not a comfortable feeling. Oh my gosh. No. So, okay. So don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And you know what, just the way you speak to, and you are very thoughtful and purposeful when the way you speak, can you tell me about, um, when you testified, um, before the subcommittee in the U S uh, house of representatives, uh, what is shared ser- on shared services? What was that? What did that mean? What, what were you well, talking about? Well, shared services, think of it as back office functions that are mission critical to, but not mission facing and delivery of mission for an organization. Okay. So in other words, if it was HP, it would be finance and payroll and other things like that, that we moved to Bangalore and to Guadalajara while the mission of people doing sales and delivering the products could be done more, you know, more effectively with us costing less money behind the scenes, doing it better and less money. So that's what shared services essentially is. You can do it for almost anything. And the testimony before um, the U.S. Uh, the subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives was interesting because they had a, a number of us. Like I want to say it was like 16, 17 people. And some people were pure industry that had done, you know, whether they worked for major, you know, they worked for major corporations. I want to say it was somebody from the Discovery Channel and other places like that. And they had some people that were pure government that were government in early examples of government shared services. Mm. And then I sort of sat in the middle, literally sat in the middle between the two different groups and played almost translator of you'd have the the theoretical aspects from the government side, but then you'd have things that weren't practical from the private sector side that didn't make sense in government. And because I've been doing consulting for a number of years then in both the private and the public sector and helped with some of the public sector shared services, I was able to translate what one side versus the other was saying into something that was a touch more practical. Oh, look at you. You were like, if I'm okay, if I could just like summarize what you were doing, like in office space, you were taking the printouts from the fax machine and carrying it over to engineering and actually transcribing it for them. Right. Making it make sense to them. Yes. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I mean, I was trying to pull an office space analogy there, but that's I, I okay. I like that. And I had my red stapler with me right there while I was doing it. So <laughs> if you did, that would have been freaking classic. That would have, wouldn't that have been awesome? Oh my, that, you know what? I, I think they, I don't think they had a, a red stapler too. And it wasn't because as a result of that movie, they had to start making now, it. They, they the made one there. sense because of that. Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. That is, see, I love that genius. Okay. So I have one last question here before we okay. got to go like towards the end here, because we're running a little bit long now. I'll be respectful for your time and everyone that's listening all of like one person, um, which is probably me. I'm kidding. Uh, is this is um, when you were uh, testifying before them, um, how many dumb questions were asked to, uh, to you and that didn't get publicized? 
Yeah, a fair amount, because you've got <laughs> folks, a fair amount, I think would be, it's probably less than 50%, Sia, but they, um, it, it was supposed to be informative, so you've got to expect some of that, because they're not folks, if they're representatives, they're smart people, and or they wouldn't have gotten to where they've gotten in life, but they don't know everything about shared services, and, and yeah. the government typically we say that lags about 20 years behind private sector. Mm. So it's very much a new thing of still way behind uh, the private sector and how they implement and do things more effectively. So there was a lot of learning to go on. And sometimes that means asking questions and not being afraid to ask things that uh, might not make sense. Got it. Okay. Look, I'm being, I'm being nice. I was trying to be a smart Alec there, but, uh, and you very politic, there's a reason why you're the managing director and founder of the 636 Advisors is uh, look at you with your answer. I would have been I, like, yeah, dude, like you're on a committee that you probably should at least know the definitions before going into the meeting, at least like it's just a quick Google. But that's just well, me being an a-hole. Um, no, but see, the things people don't get it because you ought to be able to do shared services. You ought to, If you're going to do them, you need to do them in a way that costs less money, is more efficient. And and gives better customer service to your internal customers, and and the folks in government really, by and large, not all of them, missed that. They mm-hmm. missed that, all the three components of it, and uh, they need they didn't work that way. They really do. That's true. I get it. I mean, they're different industries, and obviously the emphasis is different. I'm just a smart aleck, and I'm sometimes probably more anti political than I should be. I'm just down on those individuals at times just because I feel like get the job done and less BS, but that's my, you know, two cents. Well, as a taxpayer, I'd like to get it done for less cost or get the mission delivered for less cost and cost us all less money in taxes. So that's why yes. I'm passionate about it. I just want less BS. I just want less rhetoric on every side of the spectrum. That's my personal take on that's, that. But, that's fair. That's fair. So look, I knew I would have way too much fun with you and you and I, it's weird. And I just want to shout out this. Sometimes I feel like when I, you meet people, you feel like I know you already, I've met you before, but I do think in some capacity, you and I must have run and met each other because we both looked at each other like, huh, we've yeah, met I th- before. I think so. I think it's somehow somewhere. I'm, yeah, I, I know. believe it. See ya. I do. Well, I was going to say in my dream or on a country road somewhere. Maybe so. I know. That was it. So, look, I love you, really appreciate you, and I'm so excited. We're going to be working more together. So we are. We're going to wrap this up here with asking, you are now the Global Leaders Organization Chair in Roanoke, Roanoke Virginia. Welcome to the GLOW family, and I got to ask, why did you join GLOW as a chapter leader? Well, you know, I, I made uh, connections uh, with uh, another chapter chair, a new chapter chair, in uh, Brad Milford in uh, Northeast Florida, and was on a podcast that he did. And when I heard what he'd done, I reached out to him. And it really does fit because a lot of my book, uh, the current book, uh, Don't Be Dumb, focuses on entrepreneurs and being successful. And I'm in the process of writing another book that's going to be on how do you achieve the dream of being an entrepreneur and be a step-by-step process of taking you through that journey. And that's uh, planning to be published in October. So it's in a draft stage right now. So focusing more on entrepreneurs and how do you take the the corporate life experience, but also my small business experience and put it all together to help entrepreneurs. And that seemed to be a good fit with Glow of pulling people together in the local community. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. And 636 Advisors, everyone can reach you there. How else, Robert, can other folks uh, reach out to you um, directly uh, or would you recommend going through the website? Uh, the website's great, and uh, the email will work on the website. So that's fantastic. But also LinkedIn never fails. I was one of those early LinkedIn adopters. Uh, don't have the maximum. A good friend of mine, I found out there is a maximum number of connections on LinkedIn you can have. And it's 30,000, and she has those. But I'm, I'm not at that point, so there's plenty of room for new uh, for new connections via LinkedIn. Well, there's definitely ways we could connect on that. And I know I was going to give a shout-out, and I, I promised you. So Mike O'Connor, he is a founder of Service Providers Network, so SPN. That's another great group that, that they really help each other grow. So that I can introduce you to that group as well. It's all virtual uh, spread throughout. So I know there's some folks. Cindy, who's on earlier, um, she's part of that crew as well. And um, – Love those guys. Global Leaders Organization. Check it out, you guys. Uh, Roanoke. I, can't, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time saying Roanoke. Ro- it's, Roanoke. It's, it's a weird word. Roanoke. It's like, it's very SoCali to say it because I'm from SoCal. Like Roanoke. Roanoke. You got to say it with an accent, maybe? Roanoke? I don't know. Roanoke. I don't it, know if I can say it without it. But anyway, it, Roanoke, Virginia. Robert Toll is the new uh, chapter lead. You guys check it out. If you have any questions about Global Leaders Organization, go to With Glow. Actually, you know what? I probably should do this. I, You know, it's so funny. It's like as much as I do this and how many times I've done this, I probably should just go ahead and say this real quick is Global Leaders Organization. Aaron and I are the Dallas co-chairs. So we are peers with Robert and we are, like I say, every week committed to community commerce, capital and content. How can we help you grow your business, make you help you create connections? We're all about that stuff. And then also shout out to Innovation Media Enterprises. Everyone has a story to tell. Do it with a podcast. That's my company with Aaron. So podcast consulting, strategy, production, marketing. And of course, I have to give shout outs to this week's podcast that you should check out. Of course, CISO Diaries is going to be there because that's mine. Damon, Janet, you need to listen to it anyway. We got a new episode that's coming up this week. And uh, Cyber Warrior podcast. I went with all uh, cyber today. Uh, this week, largely because of all the things that's going on with Ukraine. Rumors are rumbling, you guys, of a lot of attacks uh, gearing up from the Russian side. So heads up, there's a reason why you should care. And these two podcasts, Cyber Warrior, as well as CISO Diaries, we shed light on it. You don't have to be a cybersecurity professional. It's really designed to be easy listening, um, palatable, and a way for those that are interested in cybersecurity or already in it to either grow their career or get into the industry. So on that note, I do want to go back and welcome Robert. Thank you so much for your time here on the Mike is Listening. Any parting thoughts, sir? Um, well, thank you so much, first of all, Sia. And I guess I'd just recommend that folks uh, take a look at what you do every day and evaluate you know, whether it's dumb or not. Not a person, but just think about what you're doing. If it's fine to make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistakes twice. Oh, dude. You know, I probably should have asked that one earlier on because I need to live through that. Like, I'm kind of a three times, four times person. I'm a little slow on the uptick there. I could do better myself, Sia. That's fine. I love that. But you know what? I think reading your book. So everyone, don't forget. Check it out. Don't be dumb. Oops. Let me take that off. Don't be dumb. Make sure you guys get that book. If there's any questions at all, hit me up or hit Robert up. We would love to help you guys out. And on that note, guys, thank you again for another wonderful week on The Mic is Listening. Uh Uh-oh. I think we got the wrong. 
I think I've got the wrong outro. Oh my goodness gracious. On that note, I guess we'll just go ahead and just do the intro because I think I forgot to upload my outro video. Uh, welcome to my... If that's life. the worst mistake you make all day, we'll be just fine. See ya. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think this is it. Yep. So, hey, we're just going to wrap this up here with uh, today's podcast. Thank you so very much, you guys. Have a great, wonderful weekend. <laughs> The mic is listening. 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 The m